0: Hello and welcome to Cloud Insiders, the podcast that brings cloud down to earth. Hello and welcome to Cloud Insiders. Today we're talking hybrid cloud and we're joined with Hitachi Vantara's Rob Rowe and extrovert's Curtis Brown. Thank you guys for joining us. If you can introduce yourself, Rob, we start with you first.
1: Hello, I'm Rob Rowe. As, as you said, I work for Hitachi Vantara. I'm the practice lead for cloud and data mobility in the UK, and that uh, spans that sort of full breadth of cloud delivery in, in, in a hybrid sense.
0: Perfect, thank you. Curtis?
2: Yeah, I'm Curtis Brown, lead consultant with Extrovert, um, specialising predominantly in infrastructure solutions. Um, so, in some respects, hybrid cloud, cloud, and so forth is good fit, but I also do end user compute as well.
0: Excellent, thank you. So, what is hybrid cloud then? Well, there's the million-dollar question. All right,
1: so I'll give my view on it. Um, so it's really where you've got the delivery of you know the business process spread across multiple methods of hosting and delivery. So it's not just about say infrastructures or services or infrastructure in a data center. It's also about things like SaaS, so Salesforce, for example. And um, you know you, what you've actually got is you've got this situation where the ownership. Of of the uh, the business solution might be split, but there's an interconnection. So the business process runs across all of those things, and you know if if you actually look at it, you know that could mean that you've got business solution that's been delivered from a traditional data centre, a, a private cloud, a public cloud, um, software as a service, and also um, may have elements like say edge con- computing involved in it. Mm.
2: I think that, that's a really good definition, particularly driving it in terms of less the technology, but it's about the delivery of the process. Um, at the end of the day, there's a, a kind of acronym, uh, not an acronym, a good description from an EUC side of it's not the operating system, it's not the desktop, it's not even the device, it's the application. And I think that's the same in this case. Mm-hmm. And in fact, EUC is a good example of a hybrid environment in that sense, probably more so now than
0: ever. But we'll come to that later. Excellent. <laughs> so, so Curtis, we stay with you. So what are some of the industry trends driving the adoption of hybrid cloud?
2: Um, It's a game of two halves in some respects. I think if you're looking at your back-end infrastructure requirements, a lot of British industry is still very very traditional. Um, They do like the private side, private infrastructure on the ground. Though there is um, uh, an introduction into the cloud side uh, for certainly development and DevOps type affairs, and as a consequence, you're now seeing a blending of that almost incidental because there's a lot of legacy on-prem, but you've also got the cloud, so you're starting to see hybrid evolve as much as anything else, and I think that's not necessarily an unhealthy way of doing it. Big bang straight into the cloud, I think, was probably cloud's worst enemy. There was a big push towards mm-hmm. it when a lot of customers simply weren't ready, and I think that adoption is now moving on the server side, the server infrastructure side, from a pure, private play to a hybrid model in a more measured approach, and I think that's a, that's been driven by the customers rather than by industry, and I think that's not necessarily an unhealthy thing. On the end user compute side though, it's different again. A lot of applications that end users use increasingly are software as a service. Salesforce being a prime example, Office 365 and um, Google Apps being a really good example, and yet, the desktops are still on-prem. A lot of um, virtual desktop solutions, your traditional Citrix and Horizon, sitting in the data center still. So you, you have hybrid by accident in some mm. respects.
0: Excellent. So Rob, what do you see?
1: So seeing, seeing quite a broad range of drivers that are, that are pushing people towards building hybrid clouds. And um, some of them are, you know, at board level. The board is being asked, what are we doing about adopting cloud? Now, uh, Curtis mentioned earlier on that sort of kind of rush to the cloud and stuff, and uh, we've, we've reached probably a point of maturity where that's not a good thing. But to be able to say, to have that word cloud in your delivery is often quite key for CIOs and others. Yeah, so hybrid gives them that and, and you know, it, it is part of the journey and it probably sounds quite cynical, but but we are seeing that, that speed of delivery and change that hybrid offers you, yeah. Curtis mentioned, uh, you know, some of the modern development uh, demands. Yeah, you know, um, it, they they are demanding that you can do things quickly, and and sometimes you know, splitting your model between sort of one-prem and and in a public space allows you to do that. Cost is always something, and that's often a change in the cost model. So, for example. You know this sort of kind of pay as you go you know as pay as you consume type model is is very attractive for lots of businesses not for all of them but you know you've always got to be careful with a cloud model that the um you know uh, uh, a public cloud model with the cost angle elasticity yeah we're seeing a lot of people needing that elasticity i work for a company that sponsored a global sports event and um, What we found was was that uh, there was no way on there was no way that we could build a big enough website um, in our data center quickly enough. Um, so what we actually did was we exported the uh, we exported the website out into the cloud for the period of the tournament and then brought it back in house.
0: Awesome. So Curtis, if we come back to you, so from a consulting and deployment point of view, what platforms have you seen gain the most traction out of? sort of private public and hybrid
2: in, in terms of the um, the private side of matters private cloud so there's a lot of a lot of sell around the traditional vmware uh, vrealize solutions that's largely because it's been very common as a virtualization platform and vmware have been very clever at um, packaging a solution around that and the move of vmware into not doing their own cloud offerings per se but integrating into third parties has been a very clever push in that sense um, microsoft have done very well taking their existing Windows ecosystem, and then scaling that out. Um, and the integration into Azure means that they can offer a full end-to-end solution as, as well, which is quite elegant, and there's some quite nice tooling around that. But you are very much pegged into a Microsoft world, in that sense, and that that can be off-putting for some clients. If they've been playing with Azure anyway, it's not that big a deal. Then, of course, you've got the, uh, the, 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 the big one, Amazon, who go from strength to strength in that sense, and I think um, that will only grow, and now that they've been, they've been, in some respects their their on-premise argue, uh, offering has been non-existent, of course. But with VMware's take of uh, not being a cloud public cloud provider, allows them to kind of offer something that uh, will work in conjunction. It's very telling that um, VMware now do. Obviously, some of the Amazon components are starting to uh, be offered in an on-prem role in a VMware environment, but equally you've got VMware on AWS, so you have this grey area now between the two sides, and I think that'll be an interesting time.
0: So you've seen seen some more organisations being a bit more open to public and hybrid clouds now then?
2: I think the openness is definitely increasing, and I think it's been driven by the CIO level Mm. downwards, because IT managers, tend to be fairly conservative. They want to keep things fairly straightforward. But the demands of the business, whether it's the developers pe- pressing their CIOs for that sort of thing, or the cloud buzzword, of course, still carries a lot of cachet. So bringing all that together, you are we are seeing a lot more um, growth in
1: that area.
0: Cool. Uh, Rob, what about you? Is, is your experience much different?
1: Um, no, I'd, I'd say it ties in quite closely with that. I mean, sort of examples of where um, we're seeing the hybrid cloud pop up is we're seeing lots of businesses now who are wanting to be less tied to their traditional buildings and people uh, models. Yeah, in a way, you know, where, you, know you, had a, you had a building with 250 people in it and you'd been there for 10 years and stuff. The workforce is now, I would say, is looking for that sort of kind of flexibility. And, you know, you might laugh, we're seeing it uh, a lot in the public sector. Um, where, where, where councils, uh, police forces and others are not wanting to be tied to um, specific buildings. They're wanting that bit of flexibility that allows them to do things. Now, hybrid lets them do that, you know, so we're also seeing a lot of um, businesses that are starting to think more about where they need to place things and being uh, quite strategic about, you know, the life cycle of their applications and hybrid um, gives them that opportunity yeah you know to sort of start to think about that and then the other thing is that you know CIOs are always under pressure around um, headcount budgets um, and if, if you turn around and say that they still need to get you know the, the maximum bang for their buck from you know the, the size of headcount they've got actually handing over that sort of running of infrastructure and and those other sort of um, you know aspects that were perhaps part of the data centre is is quite key because you know you're 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 moving people from being focused on that sort of traditional delivery perhaps more into strategy and, and thinking ahead of it. Okay. Curtis,
0: if we come back to you, what benefits are the customers seeing from adopting hybrid cloud? I know I know Rob's mentioned some things such as cost, elasticity, placement yes.
2: Cost and elasticity are obviously big factors, but I think um, the flexibility. I had a customer a little while back, they were delivering a desktop solution using offline desktops, and part of that desktop solution required the delivery of an image via a web server. Sure, they could have done it in one data centre, in their own data centre, but what they did was use a cloud provider to distribute that image globally, because the cloud provider could offer different geographic zones around the world, replicating that image globally, which meant all users could download that image, regardless of where they were, from their local geographic copy. And that's just a simple win. That was a a tick-in-a-tick-box exercise. Now, you couldn't deliver that with an on-premise solution. You had to go for a service solution driven by the cloud. And that's just one example of that. And yet, you can turn it the other way as well and look at um, there are times where security requirements and... um, particularly uh, compliance and legislative requirements, mean you've got to be more careful of that. But that doesn't necessarily preclude using a cloud provider, so long as the cloud provider can meet those uh, requirements, whether it's uh, Azure doing their government cloud offerings. So there are approaches that can even mitigate that now, which wasn't there even only a few years ago. Now the cloud provider's getting very good at offering what the customer wants, whether it's co-hosted or not, dedicated resources in some cases. Something that a few years ago, cloud wasn't dedicated resources. You shared whether you liked it or not. But they're seeing as yeah, a premium offering, we can do. If a Customer wants it, we'll we'll offer it. And now, of course, connectivity being so much better than it ever used to be, nice big bandwidth pipes, with low latency, means that the old cons- that the concerns about well, how are my users in the office is going to get to that cloud? Well, that's no longer an issue mm-hmm. in the way it used to be. We're not talking ISDN lines anymore. Mm-hmm. We've got nice gigabit connections that are as solid as they would be sitting in an, in, in an office.
0: So, coming back to your security and control point that you just mentioned, our business is still nervous about going to the cloud. Yes, they are
2: massively. Um, I had a discussion with a customer only yesterday on this very point, and it's not just around the compliance side, but it's uh, you've got the concerns around Brexit, for example, which is in the wind. What's that going to mean to compliance legislation? Both sides, if you've got data in the continent, or if you've got continental data in the UK, what's that going to mean? Because it will have repercussions. So how best can we manipulate that? Going with a cloud provider, you can kind of push some of the onus onto the cloud provider. Um, obviously, that depends on what they can offer in the first place. But if you're going out to the market, you can basically put that as a criteria.
0: Okay. So is that the same for your enterprise customers, Rob?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the sort of kind of the worry factor. Yeah, there's sort of, um, oh, that's going out of my control. It's going out of that data shed the where I know where it is. Um, I think some of the things that we've seen, you know, there's sort of kind of, um, some of the challenges that Amazon's had um, and, the, and, and that every um, cloud provider's had that has hit the papers, um, uh, you know, customers customers are asking about that. But I think, I think it's like a lot of these things, I mean, there's two bits to security, I always think, which is um, a communication piece, which is really about explaining why your systems are secure. Yeah, and you have to do that to your audience. And that, that's a sort of just part of managing your user base. And then there's actually making it secure. So that is key, and that's part of your design of a hybrid cloud. Yeah? You know, it's not just about workloads and where you place them, it's about how do you make your hybrid cloud secure. It's one of the elements around the, the, the term public cloud. Actually, is sometimes
2: a bad phrase yeah. by virtue of the fact that yes, it's with a provider that is in a public environment, but actually, you may well have a leased line going into that, and it never even goes near the internet.
0: That's good. So we've we've seen the term edge computing. Mm-hmm. Um, can you let us know how that fits into the hybrid cloud model?
1: Sure. So um, edge computing is computing at the edge of the network, and it's typically where um, I would suggest that computing meets the real world. So there's typically some sort of kind of sensor there. That could be a camera, uh, you know, or it could be something as complex as one of our new Hitachi trains where there is 30,000 sensors measuring the performance of that train every five seconds. Yeah. generates a huge amount of data, uh, and a lot of that data is... Uh, you really don't need to move it back to the centre, what you probably want to do is process it and abstract out of it. So the cameras example is something like, we might have a camera that's in a car park, and what we're actually interested in doing is knowing uh, the license plates that go past certain points in a car park. Um, So all we actually need to do is signal this license plate, this time, whatever, Back to the census. So all that computing, all that sort of analysis is done very close to where the camera is actually situated.
0: Okay, so so all that, like you said, all that, com- that calculations and computing is done sort of local to the source yep. and then the, the data is uploaded to a hybrid cloud yeah. solution yeah. afterwards.
1: So I, I'd, I'd really count, I mean, I said earlier on about security, I, I would count. The edge as as another form of computing in the in the hybrid cloud, and you have to consider as uh, you know it, it into the design. It's no, it, it's not sort of a, a carbuncle on the side. It's really it, it's part of the hybrid cloud. It's just the same as say SaaS or, or uh, a, the data center or whatever. Yeah, of course. Yeah.
0: So what else are Hitachi Vantara doing with within the hybrid cloud space?
1: So I, th- I think probably the thing that um, people are probably most aware of is our Hitachi Enterprise Cloud. Yeah. So um, the lineage of this goes back to our Unified Computing offering. Um, we've we've added uh, VRealize to it, and you know it's really quite a significant change in the way that with with VRealize it's quite a significant change in the way that. A private cloud can be offered, yeah, because one of the challenges of the hybrid cloud, when you actually look at it, it's it's very very easy for um, customers to build hybrid clouds that are very very labour intensive. They they start with the portal, they build something in Amazon, they then link it into their, you know, into their sort of kind of local um, private cloud. But the ownership of that is quite clunky, and with VRealize with the automation, what we're actually starting to move people towards is a smart data center, and that ability to um, govern and control and automatically create the virtual machines that the workloads will run on. The other thing about it is, and this is this is probably this is probably uh, for a lot of customers, this is the most significant piece. It, it it's been you can purchase it on a, a consumption model, so per VM. Uh, and that, I think that's quite a game changer uh, um, to, you, you know, if you look at many uh, businesses, they're moving from having their workload spread out across a conventional data center. And um, what they're actually looking for is that, that ability to, to, to migrate over a period of time, but not have to pay for it. And I, I said automation. And then the other thing that's really important about it is Evergreen. So uh, earlier on I spoke about the idea that CIOs are wrestling with that problem about limited budgets, headcount budgets, all that. To be able to take away that planning for the underpinning infrastructure is quite key because if it's evergreen and all you've got to worry about is what type of virtual machines I'm putting on it, then that quite changes the picture for a lot of CIOs. Of
0: course, yeah. So Curtis, if we come back to you now, what solutions have you come across then from a consulting point of view?
2: Well, for the most part, um, most, of, most of what I deal with has been uh, VMware-based, mm-hmm. so uh, VMware Professional Services offerings, that sort of thing. So a lot of it's been vRealize Operations managed. But again, I, I'm particularly impressed with the consult with the actual um, consumption model of per VM in that sense, because the trouble is with a lot of on-premises sort of approach is that you're still having to buy at the end of the day blades with so many CPUs, so much memory, and so much disk, um, and then. There may be an internal model for pricing out virtual machines after that, but it doesn't get past the underlying infrastructure they're having to carve out. So quite a nice model in that sense. And I don't think there's much else in the marketplace that actually achieves that kind of thing, other than going with a hosted provider that is offering something along similar lines. But that's a traditional hosting offering, maybe with some bells and whistles, as it were, in in terms of the provider providing said tin. But um, in terms of overall solutions, they vary. But a lot of it tends to be, Um, an overly managed, off-the-shelf solution, taking VBR's operations and having the people keeping it fed and watered. The parallels with um, on-premises SharePoint from 10 years ago is very similar, where you'd have a team of SharePoint developers um, scribbling away in a corner, doing wonderful solutions that generally people weren't using, Um, and there's a risk that you can over-engineer those solutions in an automation world as well which uh, looks wonderful on paper and it'll impress the socks off a CIO, but actually is it being used? That's mm. the million
0: dollar question. Excellent. So this is to both of you then. So what are the key steps to implementing hybrid cloud successfully?
1: I think, I think the first thing you've, you've got to do is you, you've got to have a very clear view on the why and the what. Yeah, you know, why, why are we doing this? What are we trying to achieve? And then when I, you start to get down into the architectural aspects of it, I think having a good understanding of, of cost in the public cloud that's that's quite key. I've seen so many businesses who have moved to the private cloud, have, sorry, moved to the public cloud, um, who have discovered that the day one cost and the day ninety costs are quite different, and the moves that say um, you know a, a public cloud vendor makes can can make quite a difference to their cost model.
2: I would add that
1: another aspect
2: that needs to be looked at is where they're coming from. Not just in terms of what te- technology stacks have already got in the estate, which is no doubt an important factor, but also where they come from in terms of processes and policy within the organisation. Do they already have a charging model, even if it's for buying and, that, uh, buying and managing physical hardware um, or for existing virtual? Um, but also in terms of how their internal processes work for software development or business management because you've then got to define how that whole cloud delivery process will dovetail into that, and even how that will impact existing systems as well. It's no use designing a a solution um, that requires a specific browser version if that customer doesn't use that specific browser. Trivial point, but not one to be
1: uh, underestimated.
0: So are there downsides to adopting hybrid cloud?
1: Um, I, I think it's a more complex model, potentially. So if I took something like DR, you know, you've really got to understand your um, your use cases around DR. If if you go back to what we said very much at the beginning, which is about you are now spreading your business processes across, you know, your integrated business processes across a number of delivery sources, you've got to be confident that the use cases that you might have to recover from in a disaster situation yeah, can be enacted, not just, say, in your own, Data center or private cloud, but also out in in the public cloud space. Now, just to give you an example of that, if you think about something like WannaCry and the outcome of that, um, you know where where people turned back to classic DR to recover files that had been encrypted and locked, they often found that they had not thought about that use case. And you you know it's it's all these sorts of kind of use cases you've got to be confident you got in there. I would also um, say that, particularly
2: for a more traditional uh, environment, training, making sure that, this, that the people who are going to be looking after it, okay. particularly from the customer's side, because yes, with a with a public cloud, you're going to have support by that cloud yeah. provider, and that's all well and good. But it's it's the pro, it's the support from within the organisation, they are aware, they have the depth of knowledge of what the, what the business is doing, but they also now need to be aware of what are the capabilities of the cloud, provide, the cloud offerings that they're going to be using are, whether that's on-premises or in a public environment. There needs to be some investment in preparing the, the staff who are going to be feeding and watering it for the brave new world.
0: Okay, so everyone needs to kind of put a bit of thought into, mm. yeah. No, a cloud approach
1: yeah it's it, it is it is a change for the organization it's it's very easy for somebody to go to one of these web conferences that uh, you know there's there was one running in london the other day and my guys came back very very enthusiastic about amazon which was great you know i i was really pleased about the level of enthusiasm but having delivered amazon um, solutions it is a good technology but like a lot of these things you really do have to understand what you're taking on board and what it means for your organisation. Of course. So
0: where do you both think the future of hybrid Cloud is, is heading?
2: More and better, okay. I think in a, in a nutshell. I think even those organisations that are rather set in their ways, as their kit starts expiring through age, they'll be looking more and more at, if they've got some anxieties, keeping some on-prem, some of it in the cloud, you're going to see more software-as-a-service offerings spread out. I mean, Office Office 365 is already bringing on lots of clients, whether it's small-to-medium enterprises or even larger ones. Email services, when was the last time I saw somebody install an email server? Because, again, they're using either Microsoft or they're, they're going out to uh, Google and so forth. You are seeing some legacy out there, but they'll, that'll dissipate over time.
1: Yeah, no, I have to, I have to agree with that. I mean, I, I think it's certainly 365, it's kind of difficult not to see the vast majority of organisations migrating in that direction so and I, and I think you'll see that the proportion of workloads will move more towards the public cloud space so you know that, that balance between what's in your data centre what by whatever means uh, and what what's out there in a the public cloud it's going to shift more towards the public cloud. One of the things though that I would expect to see as we move forward that's going to be important is if you think about uh, the models that we tend to use for, for cloud, uh, for, for, for that migration from your sort of kind of local sort of data centre type uh, delivery method to a more public cloud. They're still very similar in terms of your thinking about it, in terms of you picking up, you're moving it, and then you're going to leave it there. I think we're going to see in the future um, and, and in the near future and I know it's already starting to happen the concept that people will look to move their be able to move their workloads on almost a quarterly basis so as for example one cloud provider changes the cost model that they've got somebody will have you know they'll there'll be a more favorable one somewhere else or it, you know it might be something as simple as um, year-end yeah you know at your year-end you've got a huge workload so you might find a better cost model and you'd move your organisation from one provider to another provider. And that's going to take some work to actually achieve that. That's going to mean we're going to have to embrace things like automation and stuff like that. But, uh, but I, I can see a demand for that in the next five years. Okay. So we've probably covered some of these points already in previous
0: questions, but have you got any advice for, for our listeners who are considering getting started on their journey to hybrid cloud?
1: I would say, don't see it from a technology viewpoint. I think you've got to see it from a business viewpoint. It, it's it's very very easy to go and get very very excited about the technology, but you you have to step back and look at it and and really understand why you're doing it and what you want to achieve, and that then means that you need a, a clear strategy. And that, and that doesn't mean to say you have to go out and get one of the big four to come in and tell you how to do it. It's it it really is quite simple of as understanding perhaps where you want to be at the end of the first year, at the end of the second year, you know, what systems have you got coming to the end of their lives, what are the the programmes you've got to put in place to find the appropriate solution to replace those. And, you know, it's that old adage, you know, how do you eat an elephant? Chop it up into small chunks and eat it that way, you know, you're never going to eat the whole thing in one go, yeah.
2: Mm. I think that's right. I mean, ignoring the technology because most of them have equivalences regardless of where you go defining the objectives at the outset, what it is you're trying to accomplish, what is it the business is trying to accomplish and deliver, and then mapping that to what the providers can offer you and what's the best approach. It may well come back and end up being, well, we can stay with an, uh, with an internal solution, and that may well be the best fit for now, but putting an, a private cloud solution in may well mean that you've then got the flexibility in the future, the mobility to be able to move those services into a public cloud in the future. But it's a case of defining the requirements and what the limitations of those requirements are.
0: Okay, perfect. Thank you, guys. That's us done with the questions. And uh, thank you so much for joining us on Cloud Insiders. Sure. Right. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode. Find out more and listen to additional episodes on Cloud Insiders FM. Follow us on Twitter, at Cloud Insiders, and subscribe on iTunes. See you soon.